Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Anything But Typical podcast. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Hope you guys had a good break. And um, we've got something fun and special for you that's anything but typical. We actually, you're getting a two for one special today. And so you've got Adam Boytnot and Chrissy Reed, and we'll get into more about their company and, and what they're doing. But I'm going to start with our, our typical, anything but typical fashion on the, the first question, which is, and I'll start with you, Adam, as the CEO of Highlane. You and your wife are out and about pre-COVID or post-COVID and you, you can actually be with people and you're walking, you know, into your, your favorite restaurant and um, somebody is talking about you and they don't realize that you are passing by them. And what is it that you would like to have them say about you? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. And, and of course, I don't, I don't think I've had that happen where they don't know I'm there, but we've certainly gotten feedback along the way. But I think, you know, to answer that question, what I would want them to be talking about is the trust that we're trying to build. So I've I started my career in consulting and I went into industry for a while. And then, of course, now I'm in consulting again. And um, technology is a, is a field that there's a lot of ambiguity to it. So that's why trust is really important to us. So we want we want people talking about, hey, we can trust what High Lane is doing. We can trust the quality of people that they're bringing to the table. Um, and we can trust that they care. And we can trust in their pricing. Um, and, and that, to me, is important because ha having been on the other side of the table, there's a lot of concepts with technology that people can talk about, can convince people of, that they need or don't need. And, you know, trust is something that, is not inherent always in this industry because of that. And sometimes it's, sometimes distrust is earned and sometimes it's just because they can't see it themselves too. So a lot of what we do is try, we put a lot of pieces in place to build that, to build that trust, to build that with our first projects. We tell them is if you're not happy, we're not even gonna send you an invoice because anybody can put together a PowerPoint. Any, and we talked about this before, but anybody can say their people are great. We wanna prove it and that at the end of the day. so. If I was hearing that, the biggest thing I could say is trust good people and they can count on us. I love it. All right, Chrissy, this is your turn. Only here's the scenario since you've got this virtual backdrop of yeah. uh, the High Lane logo at the BB&T ballpark. So you are walking through the stands to the suite of the High Lane suite at the BB&T ballpark and COVID is no longer around and you can actually be around people what is it that you wish somebody was saying about you as you were passing them by and they didn't realize that you were within your shot? Yeah, no, I, I love that question. And yes, the, the BBNT, I can already picture myself there walking there. Um, I would, I would hope that they'd be saying, you know, oh, there's, there's Chrissy from Highland. I've been hearing amazing things about the culture that they're building there. I would love just to buy her a beer, talk her ear off and hear how they're doing it. All right. I love it. Well, so before I pass it over to Ben, uh, this actually did happen right before this call because I was talking with Jeff Warner, who introduced us. So mm -hmm. if, if you're listening to this, Jeff, um, thank you. But he was specifically talking about you guys. <laughs> and he goes, hey, um, 
when's the last time you talked with them? I said, well, as a matter of fact, we're going to be talking in about 10 minutes on this podcast. <laughs> so you, and what's funny is he was saying some of the th same things that you guys were talking about, which good people, trustworthy, you know, those are, those are two powerful words. So anyway, it's, it's not just uh, fantasy land that's actually happening. So Ben, take it away. Yeah, Chrissy, in your scenario, if that actually happens, you can turn around and, and say, okay, if you'd like to buy me a beer, we're at a ballpark. So this is perfect. Yeah. I exactly wouldn't. I'd say, hey, I, I'm cool with the cheap beer too. Coors Light is, is usually the go-to. So. <laughs> go. um, all right, so let's start off with, with just a quick intro and then we'll dive into the question. So um, obviously we're talking to, uh, to two people here from Highlane, which is a project-based technology solutions or they do project-based technology solutions, sorry, for digital transformation and improved ROI, which we're obviously going to dive into also. So Adam is the CEO of Highlane, uh, which uh, he started in 2017. And he has over 20 years of IT and experience. And obviously, he already mentioned the consulting experience as well, which includes coming to Charlotte from Virginia and growing the business revenue 450% in 18 months, which is an astronomical figure. And Chrissy's the director of employee engagement, uh, which is a lot of what we're revolving around uh, today with attracting and retaining um, great employees and great talent within the culture of it, which is kind of what Chrissy's driving here. And her background's in business development and talent acquisition. So it's going to be neat to talk with Chrissy about each side of that spectrum, right? So I appreciate both of you coming on. Adam, I want to start with you can you first share with everybody where the name Highlane came from and what motivated you to actually name the company that? Sure. So I knew I wanted to have a name that meant something to me. So I, I'm not at my core. I don't believe that you have to have a name that says we do project based consulting, right? Because you should build a brand that then determines what the name means. So I was never married to a preconceived name. Um, so my daughters are Hilton, spelled H-Y-L-T-O-N, and McLean. So you can quickly see where this is going, right? Uh, I knew I wanted to have something that um, that you know, spoke to them, who they are, family sort of atmosphere. So like with many things in, in our lives here, we I took a walk one day, and that's where we make a lot of big decisions. Um, took a walk, and I don't live that far from South Carolina, but um, I made it to the South Carolina line and back. It wasn't... 10 miles, but certainly about five, probably five or six um, round trip. And I can, I can still to this day point to where I was on the road when I had the idea of how to put the two names together. And, and when I did, I was like, how cool is that? That our daughter's two names sound like within some derivative of high road. And that's what we're seeking to do. We're seeking to create something that we do the right thing versus trying to cash the biggest check you can. Um, now we do believe in money. We like money and, um, we think if you do enough of those right things, then, then the money comes, of course. But um, that, that's what we, we sought out to do, and, and I'm glad we did it. It's still really cool to me to be sitting in a Fortune 500 company and look up at the screen, and back in the days when we were sitting in their conference rooms, of course, and see, see the name at the, in the bottom right of our PowerPoint and say, how cool is that that my kids' names are on, are on the screen here? So uh, that's kind of how we, how we got there. And... Um, to start Highlane, you know, I started my career in consulting at, at the time, Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture. 
Um, great experience out of college, really taught me a lot, great firm. Uh, and so I guess early, in the early days, I thought, you know, consulting is pretty cool. There's some romance to your first job, of course, out of college. Uh, and then when I got into industry um, as a technology leader and executive, um, there were a lot of things that I saw as potential, I guess, improvements in that space. And that's what we've tried to do here. We've taken a lot of the good that I've seen in other firms, and we've, we've made some tweaks to it. Some, some things that are a little bit different than what our, what our competitors are doing, which create additional value, going back to that ROI that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And we're a couple of questions in and I'm already taking a detour, but you had mentioned making decisions on, on walks and moving and things like that. So take us through a little bit about what decision-making looks like for you. Is it, you mentioned the change of scenery already and moving, but take us through what that process is when you have big decisions to make. Yeah. So when I have big decisions to make in my, I guess in my gut at this point in my career, I generally know at the beginning where it's going, but I have to process it. So that's the point of taking the walk, right? You take the walk, you, you beat it around, you ask yourself tough questions. And, um, and you ask me, a lot of the times I come back to, am I being a very good leader by making this decision? Right? And if I, am I being a good leader if I take this easy way out? Am I being a good leader if I beat this one thing up all the time? You know, those types of things. So um, then what I like to do is, Socialize it here at home. My wife is an executive for an insurance company. She faces a lot of tough challenges. Um, so she and I have great dialogue about that. And then I have an amazing leadership team and I start talking with them about it. I start saying, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. And each of them have different perspectives. But by the time you know, we work through the problem, we've seen it from all angles. We've identified the risk. Where there are risks, we've made the decision that we're okay with them. And, uh, and that's kind of how we, how we go about it. But in the most part, I mean, I find it very refreshing just to, just to walk until you solve it. And I think it's a, it's a really cool thing to do. And if people haven't tried it, I would try it. It's a great way to think through things. So I've got a question for you, Adam. Um, first of all, comment, and that is there was a, a naming company in Charlotte that did quite well and they were doing a lot of naming for pharmaceuticals and they were having to take root words and slam them together because all the, all the words were taken is called Addison Whitney. And uh, you would have had to pay a lot of money to create Hylade. And that walk was a very valuable walk for you. And you saved a lot of money doing that. So hats off to you. Yeah. Um, but when, when you started this thing, you left some bigger firms, you've got this really cool background. And it sounds to me like, you know, was it just you early on or did you have a small team or talk to us about that? Because you did have the walk by yourself, mm -hmm. but now you've embraced a, a larger leadership team, which I think is really smart. Uh, so whether somebody's a solopreneur or they're running an enterprise, having somebody outside of their jar is always a good thing to have a sounding board. So I, I just want to hear a little bit about that part of the journey. Yeah, so I had a opportunity, which was really great for me to help somebody who had started their own company, was a software as a services firm, and they had done a nice job of getting it to a certain point. And then I got to come in and help them grow it to the point where the founder got to exit and he had a nice exit. And, those type of things. So that I had always kind of talked about doing my own thing, but that kind of really fueled it. So when the opportunity came and, and Chrissy was with me at a previous firm, 
where that firm got acquired was a new firm that came in and I said, you know, this might be the right time. And my wife was fully on board. It was the right time in our personal life. Um, they, one of our um, primary investors, TJ Eberly, came up to me that weekend that that happened. He said, hey, before you make any decisions, we got to talk. He said, I think, think you're the right guy to build a firm like this. And I, I'd like to talk to you about that. And if you decide to do it, I'd like to be a part of it. So, um, and early on, I had identified some key people I'd worked with before. I think to date, uh, I, I think that we have seven or eight people who worked with me before at another company. Um, we've kind of gone and gotten, gotten the right talent, Chrissy included, um, who's, on, who's on this call. Um, so that's in the early days. My, I guess my earliest sounding boards were my wife and, and TJ. And, um, and then very early on, I was talking to Chrissy about, hey, I'd love for you to come join this. I'm joined this thing, and uh, you know, and Ryan, who's was our first hire um, at Highlane, he was he was with me at a previous firm as well. So it wasn't long, but yeah, day one, it was me sitting right here where you see me today, and sending out a LinkedIn post that said, "Hey, we're in business. Let's hope this works." <laughs> so in those in those early months or days of, of you starting this thing, what were some of those initial struggles or hurdles that that you had to face right at that beginning? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it's obvious, right? I mean, when you go to work for somebody else, they have some sort of infrastructure. They likely already have business. You know, we're starting day one. It's, it's, you know, how are we going to separate ourselves as at that time, just me on day one for at least the first, I think month, month and a half. Um, and how are we going to make extrapolate that into something that, you know, medium sized to fortune 500 companies are going to, take a chance on? How do we do that? So that's where that concept that I mentioned earlier is kind of taking the risk off the table for people to give us an opportunity uh, where it came into. And, and, and I've never been a, a salesperson. So I've been involved in many sales cycles, but never had a sales quota. And so what I, what I firmly believe is anybody can create the PowerPoints that we've created. Uh, you have to then prove your worth. And that's what we seek to do. We, we seek to prove what we were talking about. And we, all we, and ask for is the opportunity. And from there, our work should speak for itself. Um, so, you know, early on is how do you get people to work for a company that's just a guy that took on a couple of dollars to start a firm? And you know, how do you get companies to work with you? And, you know, fortunately enough, we did have one of my previous clients who called me at noon on day one and said, hey, we'd rather work with you than the other guys. How can we make that happen? Uh, and of course, I had a non-compete test. Well, we all got to wait a year. <laughs> so another direction that I would really like to go and one of the reasons why I think this this particular episode is very unique in that a lot of times when we are interviewing people it's we're interviewing the founders and the CEO um, and their journey but we're talking to both of you um, because there, from the time that I first had the conversation with you guys, it was very clear culture was very, very important. And um, I've seen two extremes, it seems like, where um, good leader, visionary leader, which always sets the tone, you, Adam, um, or somebody that's kind of an absentee leader from the culture standpoint, they think they're absentee. I'll just outsource that and that'll be somebody that's the CHRO or whatever. And that's 
the fluffy balloon blowing stuff over there. We're doing hard nosed business over here. Usually they are not great leaders, but <laughs> um, the fact that you know you you've owned that position from the conversations that we've had as the CEO. Like I think you clearly understand. Hey, the buck stops with me on how do I behave, what do I say, what do I not do. You know, people are looking to you, but the fact that you enlisted somebody that you trusted that also has this passion. I want to hear about, and, and Chrissy, I, I would like to get your perspective probably first. Like, how does that work for you knowing you, you're not the founder of this thing, but you've been deputized and then working alongside with the heartbeat of a founder to make a culture that's very differentiated as a a talent pool attractant and retainage tool, if you will. It's more than that, but I want to hear that specific part. And then I'd like to have Adam, you know, you kind of glom onto that. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I think you said it too. It, it starts from that leadership side. So I am thankful that Adam and I actually did get to work together at a previous firm. Um, so we, we kind of got to know each other that way. Um, obviously, I, thankfully, I did good, and he decided to bring me along to Highlane here. Um, so when it came about establishing that culture, you know, Adam did a great job establishing what he thought that core value is, and that's, and that's our trust culture. Um, so I'm sure you guys have heard it before, but it, it talks about being transparent, results-focused, upbeat, uh, soliciting feedback, and then just being thankful. So at least having that, I guess, uh, structure to go off of, that's what I just try to do day in, day out. And it's great that when we do hire new team members, they take that culture and they, they do that daily too with how they interact with each other, but then also how we interact with our clients. Um, so thanks to Adam and his leadership, he set that standard for us. And then now we just have to do that day in and day out. So how do you guys do that dance where you're not stepping on his toes, you're not speaking out of line or whatever, but you guys, you know, and, and you're not overshadowing him because, hey, I've got the title that I'm over the culture thing or whatever. How do you guys uh, make sure that you guys are in sync on that? I'll go first on this one. Um, I think for me, it just goes to being whatever needs to be best for Highline. So I, I'll be the first one. I don't want any credit or take any uh, spotlight or anything, whatever needs to make Highline successful is where we're going to go. And if Highline's successful, then we're all successful. Yeah, and it really, you know, add to that, and Chris, you got it exactly right. We are very fortunate and, you know, I'm sure some of it's luck and some of it's skill, but we have a lot of people around us with very low ego. And you don't find that all the time, you know, frankly. And um, you know, and this is not why well, this is named after my kids. It's not the Adam Boyd not consulting. I mean, believe me, I would love nothing more than to go out and shoot sporting plays and get on my, my boat at Lake Norman all day and you know checks just roll in. We're not at that, we're not at that stage quite yet. Um, but I try not to micromanage things. I mean, if you're in charge of something, you're in charge of it. And the and this will sound a little harsh, maybe, but it's true. If I've got to do the job, I no longer need you. And that's, that's what we're trying to put in place here. We're, we're hired, we have some really great people and they hear my opinions from time to time. Hopefully not as often as others. I don't pull the trump card too much. Um, 
but I try to balance that that a lot. And I think that's important because if you hire good people, you should get out of their way. Everybody's seen that old adage, and and I and I believe it you know, at the end of the day too. But also, you know, it goes back to why have someone if you're just going to do all their jobs anyway? You know, do it yourself. So along, along that line, uh, Adam, you're talking about the different roles and responsibilities. Chrissy, I want to throw this one at you. In the research I was doing for this, I mean, if I spent the time listing off your responsibilities at Highland, we would run out of time for the entire episode. Um, so what are some of those most important actions that you take uh, within your position to help people do their best work? Let's focus mm -hmm. on that part for a bit. Yeah, no, that, that's a great one. And uh, yeah, I think um, I'd say if anything, my, my biggest role here is just to make sure everyone uh, stay sane, doesn't go crazy. Um, so it does involve a lot of roles here. But I would say that the most important thing for me, or the most important action that I need to do is one, create a safe place for our employees to come and, and talk to HR. And again, I am in HR and nobody wants to open up or, or come to me and talk to me. So I have to set that safe place for them. Um, and that does take time. Um, it is a mind shift for employees here to understand that HR here is an employee advocate and I am here to support them. Uh, but that is probably the most important action I have to do is, is creating that safe place for employees to come and, and let me help them. And, and then, sorry, Gary, I'm, I'm going to jump in no, before I see you open your mouth. Um, but to, the, to that end, you're, you're creating that, I think the theme for today is trust, right? Adam, you've already mentioned it. Chrissy, you just talked about it because you're, you're building that trust inside. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I want to skip ahead a, a bit and then get back to you. So this is for both of you. Adam, I found a quote that you had that says, trust is the cornerstone of everything we do, both internally and externally. So, Chris, you mentioned creating that environment where people can feel comfortable, but how do you actually do that? Because it's easy to say, we're going to create this environment. It's another thing for the employees to actually feel that way. So, either of you can jump in first. It yeah. doesn't matter. I just want to know how you create that internally. Sure. So, I'll jump in, in first here. You know, I think when people... We, you know, having just won the best place to work in Charlotte, which was incredible in our in our third year in a pandemic, to be able to win that. Um, you know, when the Business Journal came out, I think they they expected to see a bunch of pinball machines and and things like that, and that's not, in our view of the world, what makes a great company. What makes a great company the interactions you have every single day, the consistency that you have every day, not just from me or from Chrissy, but when when I knew this thing was really working the way it intended was when I heard stories of team members taking care of each other. So not trying to climb over each other, not trying to get an extra attaboy. Um, I hear these stories. I'm like, that's how you know it's working. When people on the teams are taking care of each other and trust each other and help going out of their way to help one another, that's how you know your culture works. And that's, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, being genuine, being empathetic, and, and empathy doesn't mean everybody gets what they want. It just means, hey, look, I seek to understand you, but at the end of the day, here's two different opinions. Like, how do we, how do we reconcile that? And um, we do try to be very transparent, and, and we take against that core value set, we, we look at every decision we make, and we ask ourselves, does it fit in these buckets? Are we, are we in each of these buckets? I think recently with the leadership team, uh, I was like, hey, we're doing pretty good on, on this trust culture, but 
here's the one bucket I think we're probably not doing the best on. Let's, let's work on that a little bit more. Uh, and so that's kind of been a goal for us this year. And that's, that's the, the solicit feedback piece. We do it really well with our clients, but internally we haven't been going out and saying, hey, tell me, tell me more. Tell me how to get better. Uh, and that's a piece that, that we're striving toward a little bit further in, uh, in 2021. So here's the question, Adam. Why? I've got a little echo going on here. Um, why um, is culture so important to you? So a couple reasons. One is we have chosen an industry that every single week, and it may be every day for some of these folks, recruiters are calling them, other consulting firms are calling them, some of our clients are calling them. And they don't, I mean, the clients we work with don't know they're doing it, but their recruiting team's calling our folks. They have opportunities all day long. Everybody that works for me could probably leave this week and make more money somewhere else, is my guess. Um, that's because of the industry that we've chosen. So to build the type of firm that was important to build, that we can help firms in our geographies get better, create great careers. We had to have a culture that attracted top talent and keeps top talent. So once you get, once you find it, and it's hard enough to find it um, in our space, because one of the challenges that we have is, you know, if I worked at a product company, I could just hire the smartest architects, developers, project managers you could find. And it didn't, wouldn't really matter if they were personable, they could talk to the client. But in our industry, they have to be able to do a lot of different things. So believe me, when we find the right fits, we want to hang on to them. So that's why culture is important for the business. The, I had an opportunity for a brief period of time to work for a CEO who was totally focused on culture. He bought um, the firm that I was working for, the software as a services firm. And I didn't want to move to Birmingham, but I got to work with him for six months in the transition. Um, somebody I've stayed close with today. To today and he had a reputation for culture and I got to see what that meant and he did a great job with it um, he built an awesome company um, he's now you know on to his next venture in life um, but he would go as far as not having an office he would do his one-on-ones with his leadership team in the company cafeteria so any employee that walked by could see him and talk to him and uh, he was just somebody that I said you know he's figured culture out and I can learn a lot from that. And it's somebody that I hope one day that maybe someone else will get to say that about me and that would be a really cool one. Chrissy, I wanna build off of that a little bit. So Adam was just talking about the, the attraction of the right people, right? You can't just get the most talented, you also have to have a mix of other things. So mm -hmm. with your background in talent acquisitions, what are some of those things that the skills you picked up in that past experience that you're using to make sure you get the right people in the right seats on your bus? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And it, um, it really does kind of fall back into that trust culture is kind of how we approach our interviewing. And if I had to pull one of those out, it would just have to be the transparency. Um, it's, it's key for us to be transparent with all candidates as they come into our interview process. So if that means spending an hour on um, a call with them just for that first HR introduction, call, we want to make sure that they're getting a clear picture of, of who we are and what that role is going to look like for when they do join us. 
Um, we also look to do that through team interview. So that way the candidate gets the chance to have multiple conversations with uh, a variety of people here that have different roles at Highlane. Um, again, just to give them that full picture of transparency of what they can expect coming in here. Um, I'd probably say even on top of that to make sure we do have the right talents and that we're doing the right things every day. Um, we look to have 90 day uh, check-ins with new team members. So that way we can actually get feedback from them you know, how was that interview process? Are we doing what we're say we're doing now that you're here? Um, and ask them to hold us accountable. That's, again, this, it sounds good, but we got to make sure we're doing it daily. And it's a good way for us to hear from them as new team members. So you have that 90-day that check-in, um, mm -hmm. and that's 90 days of them be, being an employee, correct? Correct, yep. Okay. Do you have any, anything else built in like that of, of check-ins or, or built-in meetings, stuff that you have scheduled that you do with every single employee? Yeah, so so my team, that's, I mean, that's to, true to heart what we do. We check in with our team members monthly. Um, some ask to do it weekly, and it can be simple things just as a, a Teams chat, a, a virtual coffee. Um, uh, hopefully one day we get back to doing in-person meetings. But, Real uh, coffee. Right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, and, and we try to hear from them because every team member is different. Some like more check-ins. Some are fine just having quarterly, and, and that's what we want to hear from them on what works best for them to feel supported. Um, Gary, go for it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I had to hit the unmute. <laughs> so this is for you, Adam. Um, I love how the impact of a mentor and other CEO who understood culture captivated you and drove you to do the same. I, I, they're, they're, that's very powerful um, when we, and, and I want to go to the opposite end have, and without naming names, um, but what have you experienced where culture wasn't good and you're, if you had such a thing, I'm presuming here, but if you had such a thing or you witnessed such a culture that you're like, I don't want that. Can you, talk at all about any of that pain? Cause a lot of times pain will drive us into something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if it was extreme pain that, that drove me into that, but um, I'll answer it two ways. One is I'll answer the question directly. There was a environment that I was in that it just felt very transactional. There was no relationship between um, client and team member. There was no relationship between team members. It's just all very just transactional. And, and yeah, you can do that and you can make money and I'm, I'm sure it works. Um, but at the end of the day, one of the, the concepts that, that we came up with is we're starting this because work doesn't have to suck. You know, I, I would rather spend my day with my wife and daughters, right? As everyone would rather spend their days with their family, but we have to work. We have to make money. So let's create an environment where we enjoy working with the people, where we enjoy working with our clients, we enjoy working with um, each other. You know, we, that's important. Is every day going to be great? No, we're not, we're not in the business of rainbows. Um, but, but we're striving toward that goal. Work doesn't have to suck. Um, I think now Chrissy's finally put it in the handbook. We don't have a, we have a don't be an asshole policy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can get there yet. I've been pushing it's, it's for it. It's still, it's cleaned up. It's, still, it's be an adult. <laughs> yeah, well, 
You see, you see, this is where I, I don't get to win everybody. <laughs> she gets to win that one. Uh, but, you know, for me, I, the, the reason culture became important, and I think the reason, and his name was David Gray, David Gray was so impactful to me on a culture side, was I am, if you've ever taken a DISC analysis, the, the leadership coach that I had at the time that, that gave me that, he said, I, I've never seen this before, but you're a 99 driver, so I am off the charts driver. I mean, if I acted the way I wanted to act, nobody would work for me. We would be efficient as hell, but nobody would work for me. Um, so my natural inclination is just be a business driver, make money, complete projects, move on, right? But what David showed me was why culture matter? Why that's that stuff we were talking about at the beginning where leaders hire somebody else to go implement culture. But, you know, why does it matter? Well, it matters because we're in the people business. So um, my 99 driver might work with a bunch of robots, but it's not going to work with people. We're not going to build a place where anyone wants to be and work. Uh, you know, there are moments as and I can be task oriented and, and I tell the team, hey, today, guys, I, I need you just to be a little more task oriented than, than soft today because I got a lot to do. And at this point, I think they know that and they get it. And but that goes back into that trust culture and that transparency. That's really interesting. You're a 99 driver and you're running a business that is the best place to work in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, how have you been able to bridge that gap? Because obviously you had that good mentor uh, that you were able to learn from, but it sounds like that's not what comes naturally to you of focusing on the culture and focusing on the people. So how have you been able to take what would appear on paper as a weakness and turn it into what your business is known for. Yeah, and I think you have to be introspective. I mean, we should all know about ourselves. And, and to that point in my life, when I'd taken Myers-Briggs and all the other stuff, for whatever reason, the disc just resonated with me because of the natural state and the adaptive state. My adaptive state was a little bit better. It was 67 or something like that. Um, but what it showed to me was, hey, okay, I get it. I get why this person sees me that way, right? Where I was just seeing the numbers. The numbers said this, we had to make improvements. Here's how you make improvements. I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. Get over it, move on, right? That was that. Um, and you can kind of see where you, culture is not great. People don't want to work there, those type of things. So, um, so for me, it was the wrecking, that was the recognition for me that I could see, hey, here's the problem with me as a leader. And if I don't fix this, I'm not going to go much further than manager, right? So we talk about it all the time. There's, there's leader and then there's manager. And, and the two are very, very different. The concepts are very, very different. Not, not manager as a title, but manager as a concept. Mm. Um, and we've all, we've all talked about that, right? Manager is just going to be here by this time, sit in the desk. Here's the hours of day. You need to push the red button. Like, well, nobody wants to. Well, some people want to hear that. That's fine. Yeah. So, Chrissy, talking a little bit about being introspective, self-awareness, things like that. You have a background as a college athlete and you've got an exercise science degree, right? Which clearly goes right along perfectly with talent acquisition and culture. Um, so one of the things that I, I'm always super interested in is how things that don't appear on paper to connect, how they actually mend together. So talk a little bit about that, that health and athletic fitness type background that you have and how that blends with your current role. 
Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, it seems so long ago, but I guess it was about 10 years ago from my college athletic days. Um, I'll, I'll start with softball because I know that's something that um, even Adam, his daughters being in sports, will we'll continue to take with them as well. Uh, but for me, you know, playing softball in college, I think the biggest thing that I can still see and how I, you know, structure my day um, is team oriented. For me to be here to support this office, I have to be thinking about the greater team and, and not about myself. Because if I can make sure that our team is successful, it's going to make everyone successful. Um, and I think that's, again, something that's going to be pulling from that athletic or sport backgrounds. As far as exercise science goes, I, I think that one is definitely going to be more on the, the flexibility and a, being adaptable um, day to day. Uh, with my exercise science degree, I was uh, pursuing um, careers in occupational therapy, so working with pediatrics and the geriatric population. And, and with those, again, be, working with people, you have to be flexible and adaptable because every person is going to respond to treatment or exercises differently. So I have to be able to think on my feet, change things up for each individual person. And I honestly do that today. Um, all the employees react differently to different engagement styles or, you know, the different, uh, even the different drinks in the office. Everyone's different. So I have to be willing to be flexible and adapt to each person. Yeah, that's perfect. And along that line of um, each employee being different, this is for both of you, because I'm, I'm interested to hear from different perspectives. But you have different employees that have lots of different backgrounds, different experiences. They bring different things to the table. Um, both of you have mentioned the hiring process already, right? And getting the right people in. What happens if this has happened before when you hire somebody that you think is the right fit and isn't the right fit? How, how does that get handled in, in Highland? Go ahead, Chrissy. All right, this one's mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> just pass the buck to the other pass, person. I know. It's going to be quiet and see what Adam said. Uh, um, you know, that, again, that's, that's a great question. And it does happen. And that's where it comes back to that trust culture. And we have to be transparent. The, the sooner we're transparent with that employee, the better off they're going to be too. Because no employee wants to sit here and know that they're struggling or it doesn't fit and then wait till their six-month or one-year check-in for us to say, hey, surprise, it's not working. So the sooner we can have that open dialogue and have that conversation and give them coaching moments on the spot, the more successful they will be. And then the sooner we can both come to the agreement that says, hey, you know, this isn't for you. You know, and consulting is a different job. It's not for everyone. It does take a special person to have that client mindset. So again, if we're transparent, we're going to be transparent from day one and try to coach and work through that situation so we can both be successful whether they're with Highlane or if it's outside of Highlane. Mm -hmm. so, Adam, what, what about you? What about your perspective from the, the CEO role? Yeah, so it's a balancing act for me because sometimes, and I'm not always right, but sometimes I can see it coming and I have to work through it with others now and say, okay, hey, what are we thinking about this? How, and it's not just these type of situations where someone doesn't fit, but trying to get people to see it, be comfortable with, understand the opportunities ahead so they become better leaders and, and coaches too. Um, so asking the right questions, making sure we've thought of all the right scenarios. I mean, have we given them the tools to succeed? Um, and then have we communicated with them? Have we said, hey, this isn't, this isn't exactly what we want. Um, it goes back to what I said about empathy. We try to have empathy, but I was on, a, um, on an empathy panel like a couple months ago and they kept coming back to the point of how are you going to run a business if you're so empathetic? Like, and there was a global panel. There were some others from much larger companies on it. 
And the point I raised was, hey, it doesn't mean you get everything you want. It just means we've taken the opportunity to see it from your side. We're still going to do what we want to do, but I want you to understand, I get why you think that. Here's why we think that. We're still at an impasse. Um, one of the key focuses of our culture is results. We're results focused. Um, so oftentimes that's a pretty easy one to test yourself against is, what do the results tell you? You know, there can be a lot of excuses out there. We've all worked with people who are like, hey, what about this? Well, I was going to do that today, or I was going to do this, or I was going to do that. Well, okay, well, but you didn't. Um, so what's, what do the real results tell us? And that's, that's one thing that I think I've learned over my career is always just look back at the objective results and ask yourself, you know, are they, are they what you want? And are they going that way? And, and that, so to me, I think that's kind of key in this situation. So while we're still talking about culture, and we could do this all day as far as I'm concerned, because it's such a differentiator. And a long time ago, when I was uh, at Bank of America under Hugh McCall, the culture differences that I witnessed and experienced under really good leadership like that there were still seen as kind of fluffy, I think, out there. You know, uh, you said... I, I found that really fascinating to find that you're such a high D on mm-hmm. the disc, like 99% because typically a CEO is going to be very high D in the disc, you know, high D, high I a lot of times, but high D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Hugh McCall probably would be in that, that area too, but yet he was very, very good leader and really cared about his people. But you said something like, uh, you thought that the business journals were probably going to be expecting foosball tables and pinball machines and whatever. And I heard somebody say, just because you can bring your dog to work doesn't mean that it's a great culture. And, and that's so true. It's not the, hey, I got a bowling alley in my office, but I'm going to run you like a rented mule, mm-hmm. you know, right? So it is how you hire and fire, how you attract and retain. But what are some of the things... If for a listener out there that's going, man, th- that culture thing sounds great, but man, I'm sure I'm not sure I know what to do. So core values, you've talked about really understanding your core values, identifying talent. How do you reinforce that on a daily basis within the, the, the culture? What are some of the things that you've found that resonate with people besides just how do I speak? How do I behave? Those are really important. But what are some of the things that you're doing to reinforce that? You talked about sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes quarterly check-ins. But I want to know more about like, what are the things that, that you feel like are really making a difference to help drive and reinforce that culture? Yeah. I think the, the, fir- the first thing that's most important is the, the folks on our leadership team are doing that day in and day out. And they can do it because they're closer to the people in the lines of business that they're running. Um, so it's how they're interacting with the people every day. You know, are we not just talking about projects? Are we also talking about the whole person? Are we also grow that skill set? type of things and they do a lot of that we used to do every two weeks on every friday morning we used to do an update call Well, when the pandemic hit this was stressful for everybody um but we had to live our values right it's it's 
it was easy pre-pandemic to cheer. We were doing great. I mean, it was everybody was cheering. It was a bunch of fun. I mean, Christy's background is our two-year anniversary party, which that's an actual picture from the, the ballpark where we rented it out, um, not during a game day. But we had all of our clients, our, our people out there that work for us, our partners. We had a, it was a great night, great night. Um, you know, so we've done some things like that. But during the pandemic, we moved those two-week meetings to every week. And we're very real, very transparent. I mean, if you, if you talk to folks in our company, they would say, yeah, I mean, we, we know why things are tough. And we know how the pandemic affected the business. And we know the potential impacts. We know how Adam feels about the economy. We know how, um, when he thinks it's going to bounce back. And I think those are the things that you have to live. It's easy, easy, easy to do when everything's going really well. The question is, what are you going to do when it's hard? And, you know, we got the chance as leaders to learn a lot. Um, during the pandemic. We probably got five years of experience in the course of nine months. Uh, a lot of difference, a lot of changes and how do you react? Um, so it's that constant interaction is that against, hey, I want to tell you all that we're going to, if we grew at a really high number from um, 18 to 19. 19 to 20 will grow, but nowhere near that same percentage. Um, because of the pandemic, it was hard. It was hard on our clients, right? It's, it's been hard here in, in Charlotte. It's been hard in North Carolina. But, um, you know, I think everyone in our company knows this is, this is who we are. It's real. Everything we do is real. And we tested against that. Um, we didn't want to set up a set of cultural values on the wall and just say, here's what we do and walk away. I've worked at companies like that, and I couldn't have told you what the cultural values are. I think here most people can tell you what they are because we'll say, hey, I'm glad you tried real hard at that thing, but we're results focused, not try focused around it. And that goes back with the transparent piece that in our trust culture is we're going to be really transparent, but you got to be transparent back too as well, right? So that's, I mean, those are some of the, the inner workings that we, that we do. We do have some really cool policies that anyone could copy, you know, anyone could do. And I think that, some of the feedback we got on the best places to work where your sabbatical plan is really, really cool. Anybody could copy that. Chrissy and I are big, big billions fans. And, you know, people say, should you be telling everybody that? And there was a quote in there that Bobby Axelrod said, and he said, look, just because a lot of guys watch uh, Bruce Lee movies, doesn't mean they can do Kung Fu. Um, so it goes back to that day-to-day -day interaction. And I think that's what the difference. I think that's a first for quoting billions on anything but typical, but I like it. Um, That's a great, a great show. It is. It is. So <clears throat> you mentioned policies, you mentioned the sabbatical, things like that. Can you two go into that a little bit? What are, give everybody listening a peek behind the curtain a little bit. What are some of those really either unique policies or the ones you've seen that the employees appreciate the most? Yeah, I'll take this one here. Um, some of the, just the, the quick ones that, again, we get feedback from the team and, and this is probably one of the bigger things we do too, but we'll do a benefit survey from the employees because it takes the pressure off me on trying to create things that I think they're going to like and just hear it directly from the employees on what they value most. Um, and I would say it probably even started before COVID. You know, we had a, a pretty good flex work from home, work from the office, work from wherever you're going to get your results done. And that did resonate with them, giving the team members the option to work 
where they can be successful. Um, the great thing about that too is when COVID hit, we had a really easy time transitioning to 100% remote because team members are already comfortable and set up to be successful that way. Um, another one that we have is just the, the flex pay time off. And again, I know a lot of companies have that, but it's important to make sure that team members are taking it. So during COVID, obviously no one's traveling. So how do we keep encouraging our team members to, hey, take a day. You're, you're killing it on your project. Take some time with your family. I know you can't go anywhere, but take a walk or just, you know, have a movie day or do something just to shut down the screen and relax. Um, so having that flexibility, but then also encouraging our team members to do that. Um, like Adam said, we do have the sabbatical leave. Um, it'll be exciting once somebody does reach their uh, seven years. Um, they'll then have the uh, 30 days off, I believe it is, where we'll actually shut down their email and everything so they won't have access. So that'll be great. Um, we even have, uh, let's see here, the professional development budget. Um, this one's great where we're trying to find ways to encourage team members to invest in themselves. So even thinking about something that they've been wanting to do that's outside of maybe a, a professional setting. So not just trying to help them get a certification or um, take a, a technology class, but but what will make you a better person? Um, we've had team members use it to do public speaking classes. Um, that was, uh, I think, probably the most interesting one that we've seen, or even just to uh, buy some equipment for their home office. Um, I think I hit most of them, but Adam, what am I, what am I missing here? Yes, I'll give you a one of the, the cool pieces, and, and I try to watch and see how things are going. And we do a, at the end of every Friday morning in our team update, we do a shout out at the end where team members get to say, hey, thanks for helping me out on this. Thanks for helping me out on that. And we have more than, more than once uh, gotten comments of, hey, Chrissy, hey, someone on the employee engagement team, that's, that's Chrissy's team. I really appreciated that you did this because I was having a bad day and it really helped me get through it. Um, so, you know, their interactions with people, not only, and it wasn't, this, these folks aren't talking about bad days at work. They're talking about, I'm struggling with the pandemic. I'm struggling with being in my house all the time. And, and you got me through it. And, you know, those, those are things that I think um, make a big difference on the day in and day out is to have someone that not only is it, it doesn't feel like that somebody's checking the box when they call you. And that's why, that's why I tell people all the time, Chrissy's the best in the business. Um, no doubt, you know, she could go and make much more money, uh, you know, somewhere else if, you know, and I'm sure people are hearing it's the second time on a podcast that I've mentioned, she's the best in the business. I'm assuming people are making her offers left and right now, but, um, she really is, but it, it comes back from that, that teamwork environment that she, you know, grew up in, that she went to college and stayed in that team environment, um, you know, she's got a, a great way um, about her and the way that she does things. One of the folks on her team came from a recruiting background. And when we brought her in, we said, hey, I know someone else taught you recruiting. I need you to forget all that and learn what Chrissy is going to teach you. And everyone always says that, that sort of stuff, I think. Um, but later on, we checked in and said, you're exactly right. I was getting worn out with that environment. And you were right. It's so different. here." Uh, and and it's kind of one of those things, you have to experience it. And there's a lot of things, again, anybody could copy the stuff Chrissy just talked to you about. But, uh, you know, unless you have the right people implementing it and living it and breathing it, it'll, it won't work. So I've got a question for you, Adam, as the leader of this company. Um, it's a very lonely position leading a company. Mm -hmm. 
And um, a lot of people don't understand that until they've had that, that weight on their shoulders and it doesn't make you more important than it's just different. It's, it's a very lonely position. So what are you doing to keep fresh water flowing into you as a leader? You know, do you have an outside coach? Do you have peer to peer groups that you're in or anything like that? I'm just curious for other CEOs and leaders out there, that need that support outside of the bubble a little bit at times. Um, you got a great team, but what are you doing to help fill back into you? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's something I can do a better job of. Certainly I have some key people around me. Um, the first of which is my wife and she is a rock star and she's a C level officer at a top five insurance carrier. My, our main investor, TJ Eberly, he's one that um, if, if you know TJ or get a chance to meet him or, or you talk to anyone he's, he's, he's invested in and coached others in Charlotte, they would tell you the same thing. Um, you don't always leave every conversation thinking you're killing it, um, but it's, uh, it's very helpful in the, in the process for sure. You know, it, you know it comes from a good spot. Um, so between the two of them and then I'm fortunate to have some folks that I grew up with, went to college with, um, who I respect what they've done. And so I'll ask them a lot of questions. Like, do you struggle with this? What do you, what do you do here? I mean, how do you, how do you make that, make that work? A lot of the current inspiration that I'm getting, frankly, today comes from conversations like this, comes from recently the, the recognition of, of best place to work and me going, you know what, this started off as a, we love Charlotte. I don't want to leave Charlotte. Let's build something great for Charlotte. And now we've taken the opportunity the last year to go to Raleigh. And I've really kind of said, you know, maybe this is something that works bigger than, than what it was. Maybe it's something that's needed in other places. And we, this won't air till next week. So I'm comfortable to say it here as long as you don't repeat it. Um, Monday morning, we're going to make a new market announcement. We had somebody in a new market reach out to us and said, I hear what you're doing. I love it. And our market needs it. And, uh, and there it's amazing when people of this person's caliber reach out to you and say, I'd like to do it here. And we went through our vetting process, of course, still, but, um, it's going to be an exciting opportunity to open a new market. And, uh, I hope we can keep resonating it. Uh, somebody asked me early on a similar question. I said, at your size, it's easy to get everyone to be passionate like you are. And, how can you do it at you know, 200 people, 300 people? And I said, at that point, we'll find out if I'm a very good CEO or not. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. We had an episode a couple months ago where we went into that, right? Of the different roles and responsibilities for leaders mm -hmm. and CEOs for different size companies. So you just evolve and change when and how the business needs. And you have to be smart enough to know when it gets to a certain size that some function that you're doing, you're no longer very good at that. And, and it goes back to having a low ego cultures. Believe me, the, the second I think our finances outgrow me, we are going to get rid of them. Somebody else is going to do them. But you know, today I have a finance degree, so they stay with me. But. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the self-awareness you were talking about earlier, right? That introspection. Yeah. yeah. That's a powerful skill for a leader. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You said 
a couple things that resonate with me of the best places and environments that I've ever seen. I was involved in a private equity firm and to come in, you had to have high integrity, low ego and a willingness to help somebody else with no strings. That was, those were the criteria besides the financial hurdles and all that. But, but those are extremely valuable things. And I, I just think it, knowing that you're off the charts D like that, it's, this is such a phenomenal conversation because you'd think that that is somebody that's super high I, you know, maybe, but like off the charts D that's, that's really cool. So anybody that doesn't know, go just check out disc D I S C and uh, you'll understand it's, it's pretty powerful. Uh, what does, and this is a question for each of you. And so what does success look like? How, what does that mean to you, Adam? And then Chrissy, I want to hear your, your response as well. Yeah, let me, before I dive into that, let me just give you a quick anecdote on what you just said about the D and the I. So when I got the disk profile done, I was helping to lead that software as a services firm, and one of my peers was a high I. And we would get very frustrated with each other, but after that, we could have this frank conversation with, okay, I get you a little more, I get you a little more, and we would have to travel a lot. And so she and I, I was like, all right, look, I'm a bullet point guy, and you like to tell a story. So sometimes it wears on each other, but how about we have a safe word? If you're talking too much and I say the word cabbage, you just understand it's cool. No one's pissed off. It's just too much for me. I can't, I can't operate like that. So it's a really cool, to your point, it's a really cool way to get to know yourself. Um, you know, I, I think Gary, the success looks to me, and it's a lot of the stuff we've talked about. Um, and, and I was posed this question before I started Highlane by, by TJ, who, who I've mentioned as kind of a mentor and investor. Um, what does success look like? And I thought I would sit down and come up with, it looks like this amount of money and this amount of years. And at the end of the day, it didn't. When I, when I sat down and said, all right, 20 years from now, I'm sitting back, it's, the story's been written, um, you know, Highland's being run by somebody else, you know, it, you know, maybe I'm on the board or maybe someone owns the company, I don't know. Um, and to me it was, I hope people had an experience where work didn't have to suck every day. We impacted their lives. And I hope that when we're driving around the communities that we decide to work in, we can point to buildings, we can point to trucks driving on the road and say, you know what, we have a small piece of their success and we help them be successful. Because when we moved to Charlotte a little over five and a half years ago, we fell in love with this place. And at the end of the day, you should care about your community. You know, did you give back to your community? Did, did you do things for the right reason? You know, there's plenty of people with a boatload of cash sitting in the bank who you wouldn't want to spend any time with. And, you know, life's too short. It, it's, you know, it's a measuring, it's a scorecard, I guess, but and it's important to some more than others. And uh, for me, I really want this to be impacting people's lives and the way that their business function. And if we can say that, that's true success to me. So. Christy, that, that was awesome. For anybody that's listening to this, cause we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon that we're starting this because work doesn't have to suck is an awesome moniker. I, I say, you know, we want to, uh, 
help business owners have more fun because yeah, work is work, but it should be fun. Life is a gift. Let's have some fun doing this. And it doesn't mean that you got foosball tables. That's not my definition of fun, but being with people that you enjoy making a difference. That's awesome. So I'm so glad that you're in Charlotte, North Carolina and you're doing what you're doing. So Chrissy question back to you is what does success look like? I'm, I'm going to have to piggyback off Adam here because he definitely hit it perfectly. Work doesn't have to suck. So for me to have success here, it's going to be providing careers for people here in Charlotte and of course the new markets that we go to. Um, I want them to have good careers here where they can stay local. They don't have to travel. They can enjoy what they do, work with good people, uh, come together and get a job done and, and have fun doing it. So if we can do that, that's the success. Man, I think you just uh, knocked the cover off the ball at the BB&T ballpark, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> ben, what do you have to say? You have any other closing thoughts? I mean, not without keeping them here for another three hours. Um, no, I, I appreciate both of, of you guys coming on and, and the, the candor and humility that, that you brought to the episode. It, it was extremely valuable and it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody to listen to and I, I can't wait for leaders to listen to this and have those one or two nuggets of the many that you've thrown out resonate and see how they implement it into their business because you two are, are setting amazing examples for for businesses all over the world thank you for um for saying that it's flattering it's, it's flattering when anyone wants to talk to us or learn more about about high lane and uh, it, it, you know it's it's something that, you know, when I, when I talk to my wife about it, she's like, why do they want to talk to you? I'm like, I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. But hopefully we have something good to say. And, and I would enjoy if, if uh, you, know, you all or anyone you talk to or anyone that listens wants to dialogue more. I mean, we love to talk about this stuff. We're not, there's no, there's no big secret. Again, the secret is how you implement it. Perfect. So we'll, uh, we'll put links in the show notes, obviously, for, for Highlane.com. But where else do you want people checking you out? Um, so LinkedIn is probably the other, the other place that we, we use a lot. We, um, I think we dabble in Facebook and, and Twitter, but, uh, but for the most part, we're, we're LinkedIn and you email people. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah, we, we sure enjoyed having you. Thank you again. And, uh, we will continue looking for you at the top of the leaderboard, of the best places to work and people that are making a difference. So thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it. Yeah.